Um, and uh, it's, it's a good time to ask uh, a question about what kinds of things uh, have we accomplished in the last week or the last six months or the last year or the last several years or the last decade. You know, you could go on and go on and go on. But we see here uh, this morning we'll be seeing uh, the fallout from Adam and Eve's sin and Cain and Abel's sin. And the pattern continues. Uh, God has not left his people. Uh, though there are some challenging things we look at, it's, uh, it's not all bad news. Uh, there's always hope and there's always a, an opportunity to turn around and uh, repent and trust the Lord. And so uh, we'll get to see that this morning as well. But I want to um, ask you to read together with me Genesis 4, uh, 16 through 20. Six, Genesis 16, 16 through 26. It tells us, Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord, and he settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived, and she bore Enoch. When he built a city, he called the name of the city after the name of his son, Enoch. And to Enoch was born Erad, and Erad fathered Mahujael, and Mahujael fathered Methushael, and Methushael fathered Lamech. And Lamech took two wives, and the name of the one was Ada, and the name of the other was Zillah. And Ada bore Jabal, and he was the father of those who dwell in tents and uh, have livestock. And his brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of those who play the lyre and the pipe. And Zillah bore Tubal Cain, and he was the forger of all the instruments of bronze and iron. And the sister of Tubal Cain was Naamah. And Lamech said to his wife, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice. There's actually like a song here. You wives of Lamech, listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me. Yes, a man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventy-sevenfold. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. And to Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. At, the time, at that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. Now this morning, we're going to see that divine devotion leads to true development for God's kingdom. I asked you a question when we started, what kinds of things have we accomplished over the last uh, whatever time period you might think uh, in your mind? And uh, the question is, that accompanies that, is of the things that we've accomplished, what of them has been for the furthering of God's kingdom. Now, don't think that that question means it has to be something necessarily related to the local church. Uh, it doesn't. As a neighbor, you can develop relationships as friendships and begin to invest in people with a desire to carry God's word to them, uh, to administer God, God's word to them, to care for people uh, in Christian ways. Uh, in your business, you can lead your business or you can be an employee in a way that brings glory to God in a lot of ways. So don't just hear church religiosity. The question is, of the things that we are developing, of the things that we are pouring our lives into, how are we investing, how are we developing in a way that strives to build God's kingdom? Uh, the, the fallout from Adam and Eve's sin and Cain and Abel's sin is that Cain... Uh, wandered away from the Lord. He went, to, he went to Nod, which means wandering. 
And there were two things related to this. His, his wandering from the Lord was both his own decision and also his own judgment, his own decision to walk away from the Lord. But it was also his ju- judgment, right? Wandering for the Lord leads to development without devotion to the Lord. At times, the Lord will say, you want to have your own way? Fine, go ahead. I'll let you have your own way. Kids, sometimes your mom says, you want to go, you want to go do that thing that you want to do? Fine, I'll let you go have it. But you're going to realize the benefit is not what you think it's going to be. Freedom from living under your parents' house means paying bills. It's not just all fun. It's not just all entertainment. It's not just all hanging out. It means there's more to take up on the responsibility side of things. Cain went away from the presence of the Lord. And when you walk away from the presence of the Lord, you walk away from the blessing of the Lord. You don't walk away from the opportunity to repent and turn to the Lord, but it's not a both and. Lord, I want to walk away from you. I want to spit in your face. I want to, I want to deny you, but I also want your blessing. I want to walk away from the Lord. I want to do my own thing. Why is this happening in my life? All of a sudden we're angry at God when we're the ones that walked away from the Lord. God is always gracious to receive anyone who will turn from themselves and turn to him back. He will always welcome you home. But the key is you have to turn around and you have to go home. The Lord is our home. Cain knew his wife. Genesis 5 tells us that Cain had several sons and daughters. And uh, so obviously here in the beginning of time, right, there wasn't another family to go find and and marry. So he married his sister. This was before the Lord uh, outlawed um, this particular uh, act of of marrying your sister. Abraham married his half-sister. And uh, so here, like necessity... Uh, dictates that uh, there's some intermarrying going on. But if you think about how this works uh, from the, the top end of the stream, if you will, the upper end of the stream, uh, streams that, that come out of, of wonderful, fresh springs, and then the further they make it across the nation or, or whatever their trajectory is going to be, the more polluted they become. Right? This would be similar to humanity in the early days of some intermarrying and things like that. Uh, and so we don't, we don't see the same results there than we would of, say, inbreeding today and things like that, right? So this is not an encouragement for that. Just to be clear on this. It wasn't until Leviticus 18.9, the Lord says, You shall not uncover the nakedness of your sister, your father's daughter, or your mother's daughter, uh, whether brought up in the family or in another home. So it wasn't forbidden until God forbade it. So then he went and he built a city, right? So here we get this description of the beginning of, of industry and urbanization. There's, there's development happening. Things are being built, Right? You might even picture Cain with his industry and, 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 and population growing and things like that as a child who's been told no on something. And then what do they do sometimes, right? They go and uh, graduate. You might think about this at some point in your life. Maybe this has ever happened to you or this has ever been you, right? They'll go and they'll, they'll play with what you expressly told them not to play with. And they're engaging in this. It's deliberate disobedience. And they almost look at you like, what are you going to do about it? You know what I'm talking about? Some of you have a pet that does. You're like, no, don't do that. And they're like, well, I don't know how to do pet up here. But, you know, just watch me disobey you. Just watch me do the exact opposite of what, of what you have told me to do. It's somebody that is in their own right saying, I am going to, this is a little bit of an overstatement, say, I'm going to build my kingdom here. I'm going to do things my way. 
and you can't really do anything about it, right? Cain was living in a way where when God disciplined him in a selfish, entitled way, got angry from the Lord. He had no problem disobeying the Lord, no problem clinging to his own disobedience, to his own pride. But then when God would discipline him, he would say, God, this is too much. If you send me out, someone's going to kill me. So God, in his graciousness, his kindness, his mercy, puts a mark on Cain to protect Cain. He was living in a way where he was maybe trying to defy God's prophecy. He would be a wanderer on the earth. Whatever his intent was, commentators tells us that the, uh, there is an indefinite verb here, meaning, meaning he, was, he was building, right? He was, he was starting something. Maybe he didn't finish it. Maybe he, he moved on after a little while. Maybe he started something and he moved on from there or moved on from there. Have you been there before? Maybe you have some experience with God. Maybe you've, you've grown up in the church. Maybe you've heard the gospel many, many times. But you're living life in such a way where you know you're living apart from God. Maybe you see church as just religion. This, I'm supposed to be good, and I'm supposed to be nice to other people, and I'm supposed to go to church. And you say, yeah, I just doesn't really suit my fancy. That just is not really my thing. And so I'm going to go do my own thing. That means you're living apart from fellowship with God. And God would say, I gave my life for you. I created you. I gave my son to be able to purchase you back. Come to me, worship me, walk in fellowship with me. Let's, if you will, build something together. Let's develop something that would build into God's kingdom. Development without devotion to the Lord builds your own earthly kingdom, and it does nothing for building God's kingdom. And in fact, when we persist in that way, it only goes from bad to worse. Development without devotion to the Lord goes from bad to worse. So Enoch, to Enoch was born Irad. And we get this picture here of rapidly developing uh, advancement, right? Succeeding generations, they made quick progress. They make quick progress. If you think about uh, technological advancements since, I don't know, maybe the mid-90s, or maybe you're thinking about a different time frame, but that was kind of like the time that, that I grew up, and, you know, the Internet was becoming a thing, you know, and Al Gore invented the Internet, I think. Is that what it was? <laughs> I remember being in college and being on a worship band and thinking this was the coolest thing in the world, that we could put our chords online. Chord, the, the notes you play for playing guitar or something like that. I'm like, we can put all this online. We can download other people's stuff. Like, this is pretty cool. Now I think, you know, you you remember the AOL? I'm not going to try to make that sound right now. All right, dial up internet. And now it's amazing. I tell this story a lot. I have some friends that uh, did travel ball when we were in Kentucky. A couple families together traveled a bunch. And, um, and uh, they got a, they would usually go, and, and they were good friends. So they would get a suite at a hotel, and, uh, you know, you got the adjoining door there and things like that. And so one of the kids was, I don't know, she was probably 10 at the time. And uh, they all decide, hey, let's go around to the other side of the room, and let's just play house or whatever, that sort of thing, right? So they go, and they're like, oh, we need a phone. So she grabs the phone off of the nightstand and turns and runs with it. And she's probably four steps away, right? Because the cord can be fairly long on those things, you know? And so she's maybe four steps away and running, not full speed, but she's, she's moving. And the phone gets yanked out of her arm. She turns around her mom and dad. She said, who would connect the phone to the wall? 
stories of little children going into waiting rooms and, and being frustrated with the magazine because the picture won't change when they try to swap it. That's, the, that's where we're at generationally with technology now. These kids, they don't, they don't know anything about a phone being connected to all, let alone a, a rotary phone. And that's the picture here. Technology, uh, things are developing quickly, right? They founded a city. They're building homes. There's music and the arts. There's metalworking going on. The idea that mankind actually advanced very quickly. It goes against a lot of theories that it, say it took hundreds of thousands of years for certain things to develop. There's some quite, de- quite quick development happening here. So, so uh, Methusiel begot Lamech, and Lamech might mean the word like conqueror, right? And he was the seventh from Adam on Cain's side. And in his arrogance, he's a contrast to Enoch. He's a contrast uh, to Enoch, who was a seventh son in Adam's line. And Jude 14 references that. But I want you to look at this. I, I, it was when I was reading a minute ago, and I said, it's, it's a song that he sang, a song of arrogant celebration. And I'm just going to read it for you again. We won't put it on string, this, the screen. And he says to his wives, Ada and Zella, hear my voice. You wives of Lamech, listen to what I say. I've killed a man for wounding me. A young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventy-sevenfold. Do you hear the ang- arrogance in there? Bragging about murdering people, killing people. If he can kill anything you can do, I can do better. The names of his wives mean. Ada means pleasure or ornament or beauty. And in Old Testament, their names had a lot to do with who they are, who they were to be. Zillah means shade. It probably means something to the effect of uh, being her, her, her great hair covering. And his daughter's name was Nema, which means loveliness. So this culture is focused on pleasure or beauty and Luxury and relaxation and loveliness, physical, outward beauty. Things that are lovely to look at, things that are wonderful to build, things that will make a name for ourselves, as we saw Lamech say here. It's this chest-thumping pride, right? It's this chest-thumping pride is an all-out assault against God. Maybe you've built a business and you started with nothing, but you built it. You worked hard. You're smart. You know how to network. You know how to build relationships with people. You know how to do whatever you need in order to make your, a name for yourself. That's not to say, by the way, that building a successful business is not uh, a good goal. That's not to say that at all. God's given us hands to work with. He's given us the brains to use in the process. You can build a very successful business, a very profitable business, although that's not the main point, but you can, and bring glory to the Lord in it. But that's the question here today, isn't it? Are you striving to bring glory to the Lord in it? Are you striving to honor God in everything that you do? As a student, as a mother, as a husband, as a father, as a grandparent... 
Pastor Brian said a few minutes ago, right? Parents and grandparents, your work is not done when they leave the house. It pivots. It pivots. You say, well, my, my children aren't walking with the Lord and now they're out of the house. It's never too late. It's never, never too late. But it's under the Lord's control. And so we maybe pivot to a different posture of prayer, asking the Lord to, to grip their heart, asking the Lord to bring them to repentance and faith, not, not shaking our finger at them every time we see them and say, well, you need to be doing this, because that usually focuses around behavior anyway. Are you going to church? Well, people can go to church all the time and not be God's children, not be uh, humble and repentant and growing in the Lord. Through divine devotion, we live to make a name for God. We learn to strive with all that we have to look to him to to make a name for him to use our gifts to use our personality to use our drive all in such a way to say we want to bring glory to god with whatever i'm able to do some people are are gifted with the ability to accomplish more than others we've been talking about spiritual gifts in our uh membership matters sunday school class and and one of the important things to understand is that god gives gifts to his people in varying degrees we have different gifts even people with the same gifts may have a different degree of expression of that gift a different capacity for how to use that gift and that's all in god's wisdom god is the one who gives gifts according to his wisdom, according, you might say, to his pleasure in a way that will allow his people to, to, to live for him, allow people to express their gift toward him, and yet in such a way that we are humble to look to him, passionate to see him work through us in ways that would bring glory to him. In fact, that's the way how he set up the church in such a way that People who are, are very uh, different in personality, very different in their interests, very different in their uh, walks of life might come together and love each other in such a way that those who come into the church might say, there's something different happening here. There's something unique happening here. And it's not done by the prowess or the skill of the church or the leaders of the church or anything like that. But God must be working here at any church that brings glory to the Lord. Because God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so he does things in a way that cause people to come and look, see, and see that it's God. All right, the Lord says, I will not give my glory to another. We might think that sounds selfish, but it's actually a wonderful thing. Because only God is worthy of glory and praise. Verses 25 and 26 say, And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son, and she called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel. For Cain killed him. To Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. And at that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. Now, through divine devotion, God's people lived to make a name for him. God's people live to make a name for him. 
Do you see what Eve said when she bore a son? Do you see that she recognized God? She recognized God and said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel. For Cain killed him. And the Lord replaced Abel with Seth, which means for he appointed. The Lord is at work in the early, early lineages of the world. The Lord had a purpose. The Lord has a purpose. And it's not foiled by Adam and Eve's disobedience. It's not foiled by Cain's disobedience and pride to murder his brother. It's not foiled by anyone that's mentioned in this genealogy here that sought to build, make a name for themselves. Now, does that mean that everyone on that side of the line was disobedient to the Lord? No. Just in the same way that it doesn't mean that everybody who came from Seth's line was obedient to the Lord. Right? It's a, it's a broad generalization, and so that's always going to be the case. Then man became to, I'm sorry, then man began to call on the name of the Lord. Right? Even in those wicked days, here's what we begin to see. This idea of calling upon the name of the Lord is like an umbrella expression for worship. An umbrella expression for giving glory to God in a variety of different, way, different ways. Right? Some have called this verse a, the first revival, one commentator says. It's an umbrella phrase for worship, most obviously prayer and, and sacrifice. And it's important to say, we're talking about cultural advancements and walking away from the Lord. This is not to say cultural advancements are negative things. We see beautiful things around us that are a result of cultural advancements, technological advancements, advancements in the arts. The challenge is, how can Christians be leading out in those things with creativity and devotion and a desire to glorify God with the skills that we have? That's why I said at the beginning, it's not just about church or coming to church, but living to bring glory to the Lord, living to be devoted to the Lord in every way of our life, right? Dad, you might understand this if you said to your kids sometime and they're behaving in a way that's uh, uh, not appropriate to the Lord or something you, you deem to be inappropriate, you say, McGee's don't live like this. McGee's don't, whatever, fill in the blank, you might say that of your own last name. Because there's a pride you find in your name and striving to raise your kids to honor the Lord and follow the Lord. Well, the very same is true of the Lord. God is right and just for us to be, or to, to be jealous when we're not living for his glory. Because he's the only one that deserves glory. He's the only one that spoke the world into existence. True progress, true devotion, true worship has God at the center of everything. And so I want to ask you, rather than, you know, trying to make you feel bad for it, if you don't have the Lord at the center of everything right now, what do you need to do to make him so? Well, it's not to start performing a whole bunch of ways. It's to turn to the Lord and say, God... I've been living in such a way as to make a name for myself. I'm trying to build my own kingdom. And you're the only kingdom that I need to build into. You're the only kingdom I want to contribute to. Because at the end of the day, this is all gone. At the end of the day, everything burns. Only the worship of God will endure forever and ever 
and ever. And that's where we want to give our lives. That's where we want to pour into all of our energy. Commentator Alan Rossi draws out this idea that the word call here can be, it can be used for naming or reading or proclaiming or summoning or praying. And the idea of proclamation is probably at the forefront here, right? This line, uh, the, the idea of this line is that people began to make proclamation about the nature of the Lord. They began to make a proclamation of the Lord by name. And you can do that in your family relationships, in your immediate family, in your extended family, in, in your work as an employee, in your work as an employer, as a neighbor, somebody at the ball field. You can live to make a name for the Lord. And I want to ask you to consider how you can do that in your current situation. Do you find even little windows of your life where you want to make a name for yourself? Just surrender that. Lord, this life is not about me. I want to live to make a name for you. You are God. You're worthy of all praise. Divine devotion leads to true development for God's kingdom. There's a significant contrast here. We're not to be uh, out of the world. We're to be in the world, because we are, but not formed by the world, not shaped by the world, not conformed or patterned into uh, the world's image or the world's shape. First John two fifteen and 17. Do not love the world or the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. And we think about God sending his own son to be the sin sacrifice for us. And Jesus tells us in John 5, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, when he said truly, truly, it's almost like saying, listen up here. Listen up. The son, he's speaking about himself in the third person. He says, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. For the father loves the son, and he shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will, be, will he show him, so that you may marvel. Now, I know the answer to the question, I say, have you, are you doing everything that the Father tells you to do? The answer is no. There's only one who did. His name is Jesus. But we sure can get on board with trying to live our lives in such a way that we seek to build God's kingdom. Striving to do everything that the Lord, that the Father tells us to do. Well, where do we find all that out? Well, in the Word. We want to strive to do everything that the Lord tells us to do. Jesus did everything the Father led him to do, including giving his life on the cross. Now that's the antithesis of living on earth to build a name for yourself. But he did it for the joy that was set before him. You can live and you can build and you can create and you can love and you can serve in such a way that you are doing it for the joy that is set before you. To worship God, to, to proclaim God's name here on earth, but for all of eternity, we get to proclaim the name of the one true God. 
And this is what we see when Jesus went to the cross. But he went to the cross so that you and I would be able, by the gift of God's grace, to live in such a way that would bring glory to the Father. Now you may be sitting here and thinking of all of these things that you're not doing or all of these ways that you can be making a name for the Father, but you're not. And guilt can come over you and that can be good for a, for a moment, for a period of time. And you can agree with God. You might have the enemy coming and trying to belittle you and tell you how rotten you are. Just agree with him. Be like, yeah, that's right, I am. But the Lord Jesus gave his life for me so that I can live for him with the gifts that he's given me to make a name for him. And that's what I'm doing. God, I'm not living that way right now, but I'm turning around, I'm coming home. Maybe it's for the very first time. Well, I grew up in church. That doesn't actually matter. It doesn't matter for your salvation necessarily. It doesn't earn favor with the Lord. So we say, God, I surrender. Hands open, arms out, I need you. I'm totally dependent on you if I'm going to live to make a name for you and your kingdom. And that's what I want to do. You may be here this morning as we prepare to celebrate communion here. You may say, you know what? I don't, I don't think I'm a Christian. I really don't want to live for God. We want to just encourage you just to leave this time and take this time in your seats. There's nothing wrong with that. Nobody's looking around or judging anybody for coming forward or for staying in your seats either way. But it's really an opportunity for you to allow the Lord to speak into your life, to speak into your heart where you are in your relationship with him. You can, you can repent of your sins and trust Christ as your Savior right now. And if you do, I'd love to talk with you afterward for just a minute. At the Last Supper, Jesus was with his disciples and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. And with the cup, he said, this is my blood poured out for you. Drink this in remembrance of me. And he says, until I come again. So we do this regularly. Here we do this weekly in order to remind ourselves of all that God has done for us to free us for living to build a name for him. Living to make everything that we do here on this earth about bringing glory to the Lord. If you believe that Jesus is your savior, you've repented of your sins and you've trusted him, for your eternal salvation, we invite you, if you don't go to this church, that's okay, we invite you to take part in celebrating the Lord's Supper with us. This is a time where you can stay in your seats and you can stand up and sing or you can be seated, you can bow your head and you can pray, you can walk around the room and identify somebody that you feel like you want to pray with, somebody you know that may be struggling. This is a great time for us as a body of Christ. This is a corporate thing for us to be able to encourage one another, pray with one another. Maybe you need to confess a sin to the Lord first and foremost and then to another brother or sister. This is an entirely appropriate time for that. Maybe you want to group up in a group together and pray for our church, for the nation, for the world, for your own lives. This is a great opportunity to be able to take part in that. Let's worship him together. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to worship you in this way. None of us are here today deserving of the privilege to be called your children, not one of us. And so, Lord, I pray that you would work in our midst, that you would, that you would um, convict those in this room who need to repent and trust you as their Savior. Repentance is a, is a wonderful, wonderful act of worship. And so, Lord, we want to commit to you this time. 
Thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving yourself for us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.